This podcast is brought to you by jewishpodcasts.org. Start your very own podcast today at jewishpodcasts.org. Okay, Parshas Azinu 5782, the Pasuk says, Perik Lamed Beis, I said I would destroy them. I'll get rid of all memory of them from all of mankind. Now, this Pasuk is telling us what we deserved. We should have been completely destroyed off the face of the earth. If not for the nations, this is in the next Pasuk, taking credit for it and saying that it's because of their gods and everything that happened to them, and that's the reason why this all happened. The Balaturim adds that the Sofei Tevis of Ashbisa, Me'anosh Zichram, is Moshe backwards. That it's not just because the Kodesh Baruch didn't want those nations to be saying all this. It's also because his Chus, Moshe Rabbeinu's Chus, is going to keep us alive, right, and allow us to be able to do whatever we need to do. And that's that. Ashbisa we should have been destroyed, and we weren't, because our Kaddish Baruch didn't want the nations to be saying that. In fact, this may hint to the Gemara in Shabbos, Pezayim, Peches, where Hashem asked Avram Binu and Yaakov Binu to daven for Bnei Yisrael, because they've sinned. And they both said, Let them be destroyed for the Kiddush Hashem that can be made from. And only Yitzchak Binu was willing to help us. He's the only one that was willing to get up there, which is why we thank him, La'asid. Because Nayim Latour says, a Kaddish Baruch would have done, like Avram and Yaakov, would have destroyed us, if not for the reaction of the other nations, and Afehem, therefore, may stand for Eshalpi Avraham Yaakov, Horehem Molidehem. I ask the mouth of Avram and Yaakov, Eshalpi Avraham Yaakov, Horehem Molidehem. Their, par- their parents, the ones who gave birth to them. It didn't work. Hashem had to go to Yitzchak instead. The word Afehem is a weird one, right? It's a weird word. We don't really see this word elsewhere. The Targum Mongolus translates it as the word Af. Af is an anger, saying, I will set my anger upon them, and then I will destroy them. This seems to follow this free. This free splits the word into three different parts. He says, af a haim. There's anger, so where are they? Where are they? Aye haim. And that's the idea that the Sifri says over here, and it seems that Targum Mughal is saying the same. Similarly, the Orachayim HaKadur says, Asmich Apibahem. I'm going to place my anger upon them. My wrath is going to be upon them until they're completely destroyed. And Rashi doesn't like this translation. The reason why he doesn't like it is because the word should then be Aafehem, with a double Aleph in the beginning, right? The first Aleph being a prefix. I will do Af. That's the idea behind it, right? Some of the word E'ezorcha, right? Or something like that. And that's the problem over here. So really, it shouldn't even have the second Aleph in the middle. It shouldn't be Af. Ahem, it should be Aafehem. Similarly, that's the way he showed it. But that's that's Rashi's reason why he didn't like that shot. The Ramban says this idea of the anger against Bnei Saul could have been accomplished during the exile of the ten tribes who were sent to Nahar. Nahar Gozen, which is something called Sambation, which is a river that sort of separated them from the rest of the world, and it rests on Shabbos. It has the ability to rest on Shabbos, whatever that means. Maybe there's a fish in it that rests. They were sent away to a corner of the world. That's the point, and they were never heard from ever again. Ashbisa is then referring to the Gullus of Yehuda and Binyamin at a time when we no longer were considered a nation and lost among others. So the Afehem is referring to the ten tribes, and then Ashbisa and Zichram should have been Binyamin and Yehuda, where we complete, could be completely lost. And that didn't happen because the nations would take credit for it. Moshe Rabbeinu was saying that should have happened, but it never happened. We should have been destroyed like the other ten tribes, but we weren't. Baruch Hashem, we weren't. The Rabbeinu Achaya says quite a few midrashim over here about those ten lost tribes. Quotes Berishas Rabbah, Vayetze, and Ein Gimel as well as Shir Shirim Rabbah, and Aleph Tezayin, right? And the Yushalmi, and Sanhedrin, yud right? And that's where he talks about them. But that's all in the Rabbeinu Achaya. This could be understood in a good way as well. The Paris Yosef points out that as long as we're not in one place, we can't be destroyed. Haman was almost able to destroy us because we were all in the area around Ahasuerus and therefore we could have been destroyed because of what happening at that time. But these people lived 
you know, these people, I guess, when they're sent out, there's always going to be someone somewhere. So therefore, there's no chance of us being destroyed completely. It would be entirely impossible to destroy the Jewish nation. Rapersh says the plan would have been for a Kaddish Baruch Hu to save them from further pain and suffering by bringing them to some distant corner of the world, meaning they would go somewhere and just live there. They could be to themselves, be their own tribes and whatever it is, mature, and eventually bring themselves back and return to Akash Barhu. That would have happened, similar to what happened in the Ten Tribes. And who knows if the Ten Tribes are really still doing this wherever they are, if not for the fact that the other nations completely misunderstand and think that they won. And that would cause a, a, a horrible rifion in the entire world. That would have happened, says Refersh, if not for that. And that's the idea. But we're going to get to this idea. That idea that Refersh says if we would have gone to a corner of the world. What does he mean by that? Now, Rashi says, Ashi some peya, I will make them a corner. I'll make them into a peya. Now, peya is something that is hefker that I leave as a corner of the field for the Neum to come ahead and pick up. We find a similar lashon in Nehemiah, Peretes Pasachav Beis, where he says, Vatechalkem lepeya. I will separate them into being a corner. For the nation being enslaved by other nations is almost like they're taken on and made hefker by everyone and taken on as something there. Now, not exactly like Refers says. Refers says, separate them and put them in a corner, right? Almost like somebody who's in timeout. Rashi seems to say, I'm going to make them hefker to be taken by anybody at any time. Targum Yonason says the exact same thing. There's a corner that would be left of B'nai Israel that would be made hefker. That's the way the Targum Yonason seems to say it. Now, the Ibn Ezra doesn't like this puzzle because then the two parts of the puzzle don't make any sense. A.M., right? I'm going to make them into a peya. In other words, I'm going to put them into a corner and sort of like say, make them hefker for whoever's there. And then I'm going to destroy them completely. One has nothing to do with the other. Either they should both mean destroyed or both mean do something with them. But it doesn't seem to work that way. Plus, it sounds like Hashem decided not to do it, but he did do it. He made us into Hefker and put us by the other nations. So, so the Ibn Ezra does not like this parish of Rashi whatsoever. Now the Ramban tries to answer this question by saying that Akadosh Baruch Hu scattered us to all four corners of the globe to the point where nobody would remember them. So it did happen. They weren't destroyed, but nobody remembered who they were because they went to all four, corners, all four corners of the world itself. And that's the idea behind it. But still, the Ibn Ezra has a point that it is sounds a little weird because it sounds like HaKadosh Baruch Hu said, I would have, but I didn't, and then he did. So that's strange, according to this Pshat and Rashi. The Ibn Ezra has a good point there. The Torah more says, instead of flying on eagle's wings and being known by everyone, which is, which is going to happen in Los Lavo, instead they're going to be poor and destitute, living in the corners of the earth, and nobody's going to be about them being less known than the Dor Enosh. This is like Reversh over here, who were wiped out the flood before Noach's time. Who knew that there was a mobble before Noach's mobble? But there was. Dor Enosh was destroyed by it. And that's what it means by Yashbisa Manosh Sechram. And that's the Rabbi Ophraim as well. It says just like that Surah more. However, Rashi and Moed Katan, Tezainim Avei says it means that Kodesh Baruch will destroy even the small Peah. Now, that makes a little more sense within the lining of the, the line of the Ibn Ezra. Meaning, I'm going to make them into a Peah, into a corner of Hefker, and I'm going to destroy them. And that Hashem said, but I didn't do. I did part of it by putting them into a corner and making them Hefker, etc. But I did not destroy them. And that's how the Rush and the Chizkuni seem to say it as well. That's the idea behind it, what, what could be. And that's the Rashi and Moikat and Tessain of Abe. So I think that makes a little more sense within the context of the Ibn Ezra, but taking Rashi and putting the Ibn Ezra with it. But that doesn't sound like how the Ramban understood it, certainly not how the Torah more understood it. The Chassam Sofer explains that we're Peya or Shechacha from Hashem, but will never be given entirely into the hands of the nations. If we were, then even the peah would be destroyed completely, and there would be nothing left of us, and Hashem would never let that happen. That we're a peah, we're a corner, but still not forgotten. 
not forgotten completely. The Sforna says this may take place at the end of days when Bnei Yisrael did not reach their Shlemus throughout their Golos. As Yol says, he says in Paragimel Pasake, there will be a remnant that could be at the end of days, and we haven't even seen this yet. Af'eim, right, Af'eim Ashbizim Erosichrom may not have ever happened yet. We haven't experienced yet. Rav Avram Yaakov Sadigor in Tel Aviv used to tell over this Sforno to people during the Holocaust, Lo Aleinu, he said that there will always be a remnant of Bnei Yisrael from the survivors. There will always be a peya that is left from them, a corner that is left alive. The Tamadas of Sternbuch says, he points out how scary this Sforno is. Do you hear what this Sforno is saying? Only a few of us are going to survive in the end? That Lo Levo, what we're hoping for, when Mashiach comes, no one's going to be left? We have the Amorayim saying in the Gemara in Sanhedrin and Sariches, Yesi Veloachmine, let Mashiach come, but I don't want to see it. They were scared. How in the world am I going to make it? That, that's the thought process that a person might have. How in the world am I going to go through? Even all the pain and torture that we've been through through all these generations, through the millennia, still that's not enough? Only a few Yechide Skula are going to see the actual Gula itself, the corner of the field? So Strumbach, that's, that's unbelievably scary. Going into Yom Kippur, that's an unbelievable thing to say. Maybe, maybe, some of those punishments have been spread out through all the generations. And therefore, even though we haven't experienced anything like this yet, and it seems like there is going to be an Athal, maybe the Peah has been taken throughout the generations, through the Inquisitions, through the pogroms, through the Holocaust, through the Kalmaniki massacres. Maybe all of this is part of this idea. As long as you do Tshuva in the end, maybe that's going to be enough. And that's certainly what we have to hope. He himself suggests that the Pesach is talking about not the quantity of Bnei Yisrael, of only a corner being left, only a little bit of Bnei Yisrael being left, but rather the quality of Bnei Yisrael, which we see even in our, in, in our days of all the great Midos and accomplishments that Bnei Yisrael have done over the centuries were left with very little. The Peah, the corner of the fields, the corner of their greatness in our Tikkun Amidos and Torah scholarship. And I'm not talking about people like Rechaim Knievsky and the Gedolim of our time. I mean the normal people that were just not like the Amiratim of the days of yore and what they were able to do. My great-grandfather knew Tehillim Belpeh. I can't even get the first two Prakim Belpeh. That changes everything about us and that's something a little bit different. And maybe that's hinted to by Targum Yonason. I quoted the Targum Yonason before, but he says the words, Lemichli minhon ruch kaji. He takes away or his Ruach HaKodesh from us, says Rosh Sternbach. Maybe that's what he's referring to. Not quantitatively, that we lose so many people from Klai Yisrael, but qualitatively, we've lost, lost the quality out there. So David Oppenheim points out that Peah is usually 160th of the field. There's no Chiv, technically, but we usually do 160th that a person leaves for the poor. We may not have Ruach HaKodesh anymore, but we have 160th of that. The Gemara tells us that 160th of Ruach HaKodesh is a Chalom, is a dream. We have that. Maybe that's the Peah that's left for us. Qualitatively, not quantitatively. That's an amazing idea. The Kliakar asks why we use Peah and technically, Shechacha, which is also meant to Ashbisa Manor Shechrom, would technically be Shechacha, but we don't mention Leket. What happened to Leket? Pay is the corner of the field they leave to the poor. The Shechacha is the stalks that you might have forgotten when you're going through the field. It has to be done by accident. It can't be done on purpose. You purposely leave things. But Shechacha. Leket are the gleamings. It's something you drop on the ground. Two of them that you leave in the ground, you have to leave to the poor. If you have three, you're allowed to pick it up again. Why not mention the Leket over here? In other words, Af. Ahem, which is Peah, and Ashbizim which is Shechra, what happened to the Leket? So the answer is, if we be considered like Leket, then it's possible that we would be scattered to many different areas with many people in each place. We would still be owned, so to speak, by a Kaddish Baruch Hu, unless there were two in each place, 
we would still be three in each place, which means the owner, HaKadosh Baruch would be able to take us back. The Pasuk is trying to say that if this happened, we'd be out of Hashem's hands completely. We would be peya, we would be shechacha, but we wouldn't be leket, because leket, we'd still have some shaykhis to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Ezra says this word has no parent all of Tanakh. The closest thing to it would be ashchisem, because the word comes after it, because he said, as we mentioned before, he feels that it's all connected to each other. It all has to do with destruction. He says later on, it's not acharivein. The truth is, I don't know the difference between Ashkisem and Acharivein. What's the difference between them, between Harav and Shachas? I, I, I'm not positive. I, I, I could guess. I, I could probably look up a Rav on it somewhere, but I'm not positive exactly what it is. The Dasa Kenim and the Rosh say the exact same thing. They say Achalabahem is what it means by Afehem. In some way, shape, or form, the Rosh Bam has similar wording. I'll get rid of them from the world itself. Again, I don't know how that connects to Afehem. I don't really know how the word Ashkisem or Acharivim, or Asalkim, Mina Olam, or Achalabahem, have anything to do with Afeim. We see the word Af, so maybe that refers to the anger, and maybe that's it, and they're just, you know, taking that line from Targum Unkulus up above and using it in a different way, but it has nothing to do with Peah, nothing to do with the corner of the field, or anything that we said in Rashi, or any of these other Rishonim over here. I'm not sure exactly what he's trying to say with that, not positive. The Nitziv says that all of this Parsha, this entire Parsha, was accomplished by Gullah's Rishon when Nebuchadnezzar destroyed the base of Mikdash and exiled us to Babel, and it all happened during that time. First, he took up Peah, and he brought them to Gullah's, and we talked about this before, but during the times of, remember, if Yoshio was the big king, so his son, Yoachaz, was the first to become king, Yoachaz was exiled by Paranacho, and then Yoyakin became king for 11 years, and then he let his son Yoyakin become king, and there was a Gullus Yoyakin. During the Gullus Yoyakin, they brought a Peya with them. Instead of leaving a Peya, that's how we've been saying up until now, he took a Peya with him. He took all the Timonicham and the Cherish and the Mizgar, and he brought them with him to Bavel so that it would be easier for us to be able to have an already made Jewish community that was thriving with Torah scholarship that was already there. After all, along with Yehoyachin, who himself was a bit of a Russia, but he was in jail for 37 years and did Tshuva, and his son Shelti, who was the father of Zerubavel, who eventually became Nehemiah. So that, that, that Yoyachin that was with them, the people that went at that time were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishol, Azariah, Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi, great people. Mordechai Bilshan went along with them. There were some great, great people that went at that time. So it's possible, right, that that's what we're referring to over here. And that, that became the goal. So it was a Torah community waiting for them. The Romans didn't do that. They left us in the land. They chased us to other places. It wasn't that. And it was a little bit different. So it wasn't like this. So he says that that refers to Gullus Rishon of that first time. And that's what it means by Afehem. Now, the Pardis Yosef quotes the Balaturim from above that brings the Sofites of Moshe as the last letters where we set up above. Ashbisa me enosh zichram is hey shin mem as in Moshe Rabbeinu itself. And he also brings down the Taime Mesoros Amikah from Rebuda Chosin. It says this Pasuk hints to Haman trying to destroy us all. So we have the Nitziv saying, referring to the first base of Mikdash. We have the Taime Mesoros Amikah that says it's referring to Haman. As it says the word zichram, Ashbisa me enosh zichram here. In Megillus Esther, Perik Tess, Pasuk Chavchas, it says, Vizichram lo yosuf mizaram. The remembrance of them should never be lost from their people, from their children itself. He connects it to by bringing the Alshech and Esther that Ilio and Avi had to beg the Avos to daven for B'nai Yisrael and it didn't work. And he went to Moshe Rabbeinu, told him about the decree of Haman and asked him to daven to Hashem to get rid of the Xeri. He did so by allowing a part of him to enter Mordechai. Moshe Rabbeinu allowed a part of him to enter into Mordechai's body and allowed him to do that and that allowed Haman to be defeated. Maybe that's the connection between Haman and Moshe Rabbeinu being hinted to in the same passage. That Moshe Rabbeinu is here and Haman through the word Zichram. Maybe that connection is right there that Moshe Rabbeinu allowed or became the savior, the Yeshua of Klal Yisrael by getting into Mordechai itself. Maybe that's it. 
And now we have Ramban. Now, I mentioned this before. I'm just going to go into it a little bit of detail over here. The Ramban famously says in Pasuk, Pasuk Mem that this, this Shira of Shira Zazinu contains within it everything that is happening now, that has happened in the past, and that will happen in the future. It's all there in this Shira. Granted, it's only 620 words. Nonetheless, everything is inside here. In this world, in Olam Haba, based on the words, Kol Divri Ashira Azos. That's where he understands it. If this year had been said by one of the astrologers and his words came true, we would trust it because of its historical accuracy. Kol Shekain, Ben Benosho Kol Shekain. Kal Vachomer, Ben Benosho Kal Vachomer, when it's said by Moshe Rabbeinu, the greatest Navi of all time, right, the greatest Navi who ever lived, and it's the word of HaKadosh Baruch Hu that went through his mouth on the last day of his life when he was the most powerful that he possibly could have been, says Ramban, of course we have to believe that everything is inside this Shira, no matter how small it is, nonetheless, as we said before, qualitatively, not quantitatively, there's something here. Ramosha Wolfson in Amunasi Tacha, page 272, says this is why Yazinu is usually the Parsha that's read during Shabbos, Shabbos Shuva. Granted, this year that didn't happen. We had Vayelech as Shabbos Shuva, but usually Yazinu is right there. At least it's close to Yom Kippur. Now, the reason why is because the day of Shabbos Shuva is metaking every Shabbos of the year because there's seven days in between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. Those seven days represent the days of the week that we could be metaking for the entire year of the previous year. This Parsha, so too, includes every Jew and every person who has ever existed. So it makes sense to connect the two. Every Jew is connected to a certain os in the Torah, to every letter in the Torah. As they say, Yisrael stands for Yesh Shishim Rebo Osios Latorah. That's the Rashi Tevitz, Yesh Shishim Rebo Osios Latorah. Yeshurin stands for Yesh Shishim Rebo Nishamos, the same exact thing. But this parsha also hints to every single person somehow. And therefore, to say it in Shabbos Shuva in a microcosm way is almost like saying this Shabbos is a microcosm of every Shabbos of the year. So to this parsha is almost a microcosm of the entire Torah itself, all hidden within the letters themselves, even though we don't understand it. So based on that, the Shalshel Zekavala, page 128, and the Seder Adoros on page 954, bring a story with Ramban, who had a student whose name was Avner. The story goes that he was struck by a spirit of folly that ended up making him go off the derech and became a tzeduki, or something that's off the derech at the time, whatever they had at the times of the Ramban. He became very popular and very well-known throughout the land. One Yom Kippur, it says, he sent for the Ramban and asked him to come to him on that very day. When his older Rebbe appeared, he slaughtered a pig in front of him, cut it up into pieces, cooked it, and then ate it, right? Afterward, he asked the Ramban, how many times was I over on curries by doing what I did? Now, there are different versions of this, but according to the Shalshel Zikabal, the Seder Adoros, the Ramban said four. What the four were, my assumption is that he's referring to the fact that he um, slaughtered it, the fact that he cooked it, the fact that he ate it, and maybe the fact that he cut it up in a way, maybe there was an issue of machatech, maybe that they carried it into the chatzar and there was hotel. I don't know, but he said four. The guy argued, the Talmud argued with the Ramban and said, no, I think there's five. And he gave a whole pilpul to say why he argued with the Ramban. The Ramban looked at him and the, the student retained a little bit of his fear of his Rebbe, the Ramban, but he still had a little bit of it. He said, what happened? Said the Ramban, what happened to you? Right? Why did you become like this? How did this happen to you? So the student told him that one time he heard the Ramban, his Rebbe, Darshan and Parsazinu, and he said that everything's in here, everything's in there. And he said, it's impossible. There's no way everything's inside here. I said, I went off after that. I said, it's absolutely impossible. And the Ramban said, I still hold that way. You can ask me anything you want, and I'll find where it is in this Parsha. He said, okay, where am I? He said, his name was Avner. So the Ramban went to a corner. He came back, and he brought this Pasa, Pasa Chavlov. Amarti Afehem. I said I would destroy them. The third letter of each word, Amarti is a resh, Afehem is an aleph, Me'enosh is a nun, and Zichram is a resh. 
So that's Reb Avner. So he said, that's your name. That's Reb Avner. So when he heard that, he was shocked. He said to the Rebbe, he said, what do I do now? The Ramban said, he heard the Pasuk. There is no chance. You have to get lost. The man bought a boat without any sailors to help him, went out to sea, was never heard from ever again. Now, interestingly enough, the Miyam Lois on this Pasuk and the Kava Yasher and Perachov Gimel bring the exact same story, right? But with few minor differences. Rav Kardinov, we're talking a couple hundred years ago. He says, at the end, he says, the Ramban davened very hard for the Neshama of Avner. And he asked for a bit of a kapara. And the man came to him in a dream afterward and thanked him for allowing him to go to Gehenim to be judged. And eventually, after 12 months, he expects to enter Gan Eden. He no longer had to suffer in Kafakela because of the Tfilos of the Ramban. And from there, the Kaviyashar learns the power of Tfilah. You see how a person can daven, you have a bit of a kapara just because of that davening itself. Now, the Emek Melech in Shiashuya Melech Perak Dalet brings the story as well. It's brought in the Yalkut Ruveni. And he says, we learn from here that even Rishayim are mentioned in the Torah. Everybody's mentioned in the Torah, even Rishayim, according to their deeds. Chazal say that Haman is mentioned in the Torah, right? Not only do we have this over here of Zichram, but Hamina Eitz, right? By Adam Rishon, that's in Chulin Kuflam There's a power behind a name, says the Emek from this, which the Arizal says was given to the child's parents before he was born through Ruach HaKodesh. Unbelievable. Rechaim Knievsky, he suggested in Derasicha that Avner actually did tshuva. Even though the wording of the Ramban sounds like he had no ability to do tshuva, that was only a test to see if he would do it. But in the end, he did do it. He did do tshuva and maybe became a totally different person. That's what it means. The Avner that you were is gone. The new person is there. The Lubavitcher Rebbe says in a Sicha for Parshish Azinu, page 110, that this story tells you something wondrous and shocking about the idea of tshuva. He points out that the word Reb was added to his name. It's Reb Avner. How did he become a Rebbe all of a sudden? How did that happen? He says, this is because he asked the Ramban what to do, and he followed his words. He allowed himself to go out on the ship and be lost forever. He did everything, and that was his tshuva. After doing so, he retained his status as a fully observant Jew. And that was his true essence. And that's the message of Parshat Zazinu, which we read sometime either before or after Yom Kippur. Because when we do tshuva, we will always find ourselves part of Klal Yisrael at large. That's how the Lubavitcher Rebbe puts it. Now, the Ramosha Wolfson in Munisi Techa asked the question, he says, we've heard of Rashi Tevis, we've heard of Sophie Tevis, but what's this thing, what are we saying over here about the third letter of each word? We've never heard such a thing before. Why in the world are we doing it through a third letter? What does that teach us? And he says, this teaches us that it's absolutely impossible for a Jew to be fully lost. Every Jew has a shorish in the Avos HaKadoshim. And every Jew has hope in the end that everything's going to work out well. He's going to have a tikkun. It may take some Gilgulim. And Gilgulim doesn't have to be through the Neshamas. I mean, Gilgulim, things that happen in a person's life to get from one point to the other. But in the end, it will all work out. If Avner was hinted by Rashi Tevis then it would sound like he's cut off from the very beginning. He had no Shorish. If Avner was hinted in the Sofei Tevis, that would sound like he has no end. He has no Tikva at the very, very end. Chas V'Shalom. That's why it's hinted right in the middle. The middle is right now, right now, you have nothing. Right now, as you are, there's nothing you can do. But you can always connect back to your Shorish and you can always have a Tikkun. And that's why it's only the third letter, the middle letter, so to speak. As a side note, as a very, at the very end, Rechaim Knievsky was asked in Derech Sicha, he was asked in the first volume, what the fourth Karis was for, or the fifth, right? If there was a fourth or a fifth, what could that fourth or fifth Karis be? So he says he was over on Shachting, cooking, eating, and whatever the other one was, either carrying or maybe cutting it up, Mechatech in some way. What else did he do? Rechaim 
suggested that he was also over on Nikara Basar and taking away the fat from the meat, and he was over on Borer. And Borer, which we forget sometimes, is an Av Malacha deal Raisa on Shabbos. So possibly that was the fourth slash fifth Kares. I'm not sure what else it could possibly be, but it's interesting that that's the answer that Rechaim Kineski gives. He says that that was going to be the idea behind it. Maybe eventually we'll be able to learn, but hopefully we should all know, this is a time to know this, that we all have a shorish, we all have something to end off with. Have a good Shabbos, everybody.